You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Interstate Batteries. Interstate Batteries has thousands of retail locations all over the United States. So if you are having trouble finding a specific type of battery, stop into your local Interstate Batteries retail store and talk with one of the specialists that work there and they will be able to help you with your battery crisis. These guys have everything from truck batteries, car batteries, your standard batteries for your remote control or kids toys all the way to something specific and specialized like the batteries that go into a range finder. If you want to find out more information of all the batteries and more information about the company itself, go to their website, interstatebatteries.com, or again, stop into a local retail store and speak with a battery specialist. Interstate batteries, outrageously dependable. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome back to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast brought to you by Vortex Optics. You know, this is a badass podcast. Uh, This episode is going to knock your socks off in uh, more than one way because uh, it's the story of a hardcore hunter and a big mature buck. And it's not just one of these one and done stories like I've had on, uh, you know, the past couple days where a guy walks into the timber and he shoots a deer. This is the story that starts in 2014, believe it or not. And it goes all the way up to November 1st of 2019. And it's the story of a buck that Kyle Harmon gave the name Uno. And I'm sure if you are on Instagram or Facebook, you've seen this buck pop up and uh, the YouTube story that kind of follows it. But what's cool about this podcast is that his YouTube video can only show so much. There's an entire big story that goes with this, and it's a, you know a six-year story of one particular deer. 
and how a, a man becomes absolutely obsessed with this deer. And over that span of time, you know, he has kids and he runs into some family drama and there's just a whole bunch of life problems that get thrown at him as well and at the same time he still manages to follow his passion he puts his family first he follows his passion and at the end of this six-year uh, relationship he had with this deer he gets the job done and there's no need for me to go any further than what I've already said I'm gonna let Kyle handle that right so uh, Kyle uh, Harmon is from Team Radical. Look it up. You'll be able to uh, find some more information on what he does and the videos he puts out on YouTube. But uh, this story is awesome. I love the stories where it's multiple years, like not just two years, but six years. That blows my mind, man. I had a, I had a, you know, 2000, like 2010 and before I had a, a four or five year story with uh, a particular deer and I did not come out out on top of that story but Kyle did excellent story coming up but before we get into this episode I got to remind you that uh, the new lineup from Prime is out they have a black series out now and you guys need to go check that out I am so jacked to go to the ATA show uh, man it's like three weeks now uh, and go shoot these new primes. Um, I haven't had the opportunity to shoot the brand new ones yet, but uh, if they're anything like the previous two years, then uh, I'm in for a treat. So the next time that you guys are out shopping for bows, I think you would be doing yourself a disservice if you didn't go shoot a prime. I mean, the company itself makes bows for bow hunters, period. That's it. And if you're listening to this, you're probably a bow hunter at some point. So uh, go shoot a prime and then let me know what you think of it. Uh, I'm very happy with what I have the last two years. And, uh, you know, as technology starts to grow, so, so do the quality of the bows. And uh, prime is a perfect example of that. So uh, go to primearchery.com. Check out all the lineup. The entire lineup of bows that these guys have or go visit your local archery shop uh, prime dealer you can find that online and uh, man I would travel a couple hours just to get the right bow so if you need to take a day trip and uh, go to a prime dealer and shoot some of these new bows man go do it all right sit down make sure you have uh, about a six pack on ice get a bag of chips out and uh, enjoy this podcast, uh, The Story of Uno, with Kyle Harmon. All right, on the phone with me right now from Illinois, Mr. Kyle Harmon. What's up, man? How you doing, Dan? Doing great. Doing great. You should be doing great, man. I, yeah. uh, <laughs> I see the, the stories pop up. I see the pictures pop up on Instagram and Facebook and, and uh, uh, you, should, you should have a smile on your face for a while now. I am. I, I haven't uh, shot two bucks and tagged out here in Illinois since uh, uh, early 2000. So it's it's a different kind of feeling. And, and shooting the target buck that I was after for quite some time now, Uno, uh, feels great. Feels awesome. Yeah. And that is what we're going to talk about today uh, in this uh, podcast is the story of this buck that you gave the name Uno to. And we're going to have to skip the foreplay and BS, the BS session up front, because this is a story that essentially, I mean, it, 
it's six years worth of history uh, of this buck. So we're going to get right into, into it. And my, my first question to you right off the bat is when did you find or locate this buck? When does this story been, start? Yeah, it would have been in the summer of 2014. And the reason I found him is totally by coincidence. I was looking for another target buck that I've been watching for quite some time, and I could never find that where he summered. I gained some access permission on a neighboring property to hang some trail cameras that summer in hopes of trying to find that deer. Well, I didn't find him there, but what I did find was this unique buck, and he had one brow tine that stood much taller than the other, and that's when I kind of gave him, coined him the name Uno. And from there, that's when the story really starts, finding him that summer. Okay, so 2014, you see this deer. What did you put him at for an age in 14? I figured he's probably two and a half. Okay. At the, at the time, I thought he was two and a half at that time. Right, right. So he's a two and a half year old. He caught he caught your attention uh, because of the one brow time that was longer than the other. Um, you thought he was a two year old. Um, did you, did you think about this buck at all throughout the 2014 season or was it, was it just kind of, uh, ah, that buck's got some potential. Yeah, no, I, I really didn't think about him much at all just because I was, like I said earlier, I was after this other buck that I've been after for several seasons and I was able to catch up to him. And, uh, I did my Intel later on that season and I was having, quite a few encounters with him especially in late season you know feeding in the soybeans and such so but still I didn't give it much thought I just thought he's a pretty cool deer you know he's a mainframe eight at that time just with one brow taller than the other you know I I don't know if it's eight nine inches tall maybe something like that and the other one was only two or three inches I'd say right and and what did you put him at in uh, 2014 as far as a score as a two-year-old uh, probably a hundred and hundred inches, 110 inches, maybe something like that. Okay. So nothing really that took your, uh, uh, you know, took your breath away. Just a, a deer that uh, had a, a pretty cool characteristic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that one brow time really separated him from any other two year old. Otherwise you would have just been a, a regular looking 8.2 year old without yeah. that brow, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So how many encounters in 2014 would you say that you had with him in the tree? I would say probably four. Four? Four or five. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And every time you saw him, it was just kind of like, oh, there's that buck again. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Just turn on the camera, get a little bit of video of him, and, you know, it's not a big deal. I was, I was hope in hopes of finding the other deer, so... Yeah, it didn't really cross my mind much. Gotcha. Okay. So 2014 comes and goes, and uh, this buck uh, takes a, you know, has taken kind of a backseat just on age and antlers and, and, you know, all that stuff. Any, after, after the season's over, did you happen to find any sheds from this buck? No, I did not. Okay. Did not find a single one. All right. So you, you go, sh- but how often do you shed hunt? Are you, are you, a, would you call yourself a shed hunter? Um, I used to hate shed hunting just, just because there's so many other things I felt like I could be doing instead of looking for shed antlers. Cause let's face it, when you have a terrible day, it's like, man, I really just wasted an entire day. And, and I, cause I don't really like to scout while I'm shed hunting. I like to be one track mine. Yeah. So, uh, it, I do shed hunt, but 
over the years I have gotten a, a put on a lot more miles shed hunting. I would say last well, just to give you an example, last year I probably walked twenty miles and in two thousand fourteen I'd say maybe maybe ten. Okay. So if that kind of puts it in perspective. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So the the spring of fifteen comes, you don't find his antlers. Uh the summer of fifteen is here now. Uh any velvet picks of uno no because i did not put any cameras back over there i was after another deer once again which was complete opposite direction over a mile away and and nowhere near where he summered so i took all those cameras in hopes of getting the other deer on camera which i did so i did not get any velvet pictures whatsoever of of uno that summer all right so in in 15 when uh, when did Uno show back up? It would have been sometime in the beginning of October, uh, the first or second week of October. I, I I had a trail camera in this pinch, and sure enough, there he was. It took me an actual minute to figure out who he was because he blew up that much in, yeah. in that one year. And he was hitting a scrape, and then I put two and two together. It was him. Okay. And now he didn't have just a mainframe eight-point rack. Well, he did, but he had still the one tall brow and the short brow, but now both brows were split, and G2s and G3s were much taller. And after getting those pictures, I honestly was convinced he was four and a half years old. Okay. Which means means I think I could have been wrong in the 2014, which when I get the tooth sample back and get it actually scientifically aged, I'll know the for sure answer how old this deer was. Yeah. I'm looking at the picture that you sent me from the 14, and I my guess would have been a three-year-old. I would have guessed a three-year-old. You guessed three. Okay, yeah. okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was torn. Was he two or three? But when I got that 15 picture, I truly believed then he was four. Yeah. yeah. Four and a half. So, uh, at that point, I mean, you all, you've already told us that you're, you were on for another deer in 15. So... Uh-huh. did this in 15 he's a four-year-old now did you happen to did he happen to make your radar radar at all no no i was not i was not planning on shooting him i'm not gonna lie to you though that first week of november i had an encounter with him and he came by me at 30 yards after chasing a few does and he got my heart he got my heart going you know my knees were clapping i i I seriously contemplated it, but I, I held off. Okay. All right. And uh, other than that encounter right there, were there any other encounters that you had with him in 2015? No, that was the one and only encounter in 2015. Okay. So you had some encounters with him in 14. You had some encounters with him. He had one encounter with him in 15. Any other trail camera pictures? with this buck throughout, uh, 2015. Absolutely. Yes. I had a lot of trail camera pictures of him. Uh, again, I was just focused on that other deer and, uh, I, I'm not going to lie though. This definitely started to put this deer back on a radar to make sure I'm watching this deer, what he does. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I, I did not have any more encounters, just quite a few more trail camera pictures. Just, just no more encounters. Okay. So, through just the intel that you had on 2014 and 2015, did you did you have enough information that you felt you knew what this buck was doing, not only on your farm but the neighboring farms? 
Yes, to an extent. At that time, he was on our property quite often, back and forth, uh, and, and he always came from the same direction, and he always exited going uh, uh, the same direction. But one thing I did know is this deer, I'm o- almost certain, was not living on our property. He was coming from the neighbors, and I, I was convinced that this deer was not going to be living on our ground, basically. So yeah. I knew it would be a hit or miss, possibly in the 2016 year. So he was just kind of cruising through when he was on his feet. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you yeah, have especially a... searching for the, for the does or you know trying to mark territory? Yeah. Did you have an idea of where he was betting? Yes. Okay. Yes. I have a really good idea of where he was betting. All right. So with that comes the next question, and that is after the 2015 season was over, did you try to gain access to any additional farms that l- would get you closer to where you felt he was betting? No. the uh, Where he was betting, there's no way I could get access. Okay. Um, there, there's just no way. And where, where he summered, there's really no way you can hunt this really. I mean, and it's, it's, it's wide open fields and that's, that's about it. So there was no real sense in trying to hunt over there. So I need to stick on our property for sure. Okay. All right. So any sheds, uh, in 2000 or the, I guess would be the spring of 2016. Unfortunately, no, again, Gotcha. Okay. And, and it wasn't the lack of trying. It's just uh, I did not, I did not know where he wintered because I did not have really any pictures of him in late season after the 2015 season, and so I, I I didn't know. But I searched our property obviously as as much as I possibly could, but I just I could not come up with a single shed of that deer. Right. So has he made? the the radar yet has has he hit a status and this is before the the summer of 2016 is this a deer that you start to think about yes before 16 summer comes i am definitely amped to find out what this deer is going to look like in 2016 okay uh there there was another buck i'd be after in 16 if he was still alive too but this buck was definitely on the radar, top two for sure. Okay, so now uh, you got your cameras out for the summer of 2016. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk about the first picture that you got of this buck. So the first picture I get of this buck just blew my mind. I, I the the name now seems completely absurd because we coined the buck Uno. Well, now he's a mainframe eight. And both brow tines just exploded. Now they're both twin towers, super tall, and the one brow still has a has a big split on it. And I was just blown away how big he was. I mean, just giant eight pointer with with a split brow and huge brow tines. I just couldn't get over it. I mean, you don't see a deer like that hardly ever with brow tines like that. Yeah. So I knew this was definitely a deer I wanted to chase in 2016 if if possible. Right. So just, just kind of a personal question. Uh, what are, what do you like? I mean, are you, uh, like for me, dude, I, I, there's something about a big eight pointer that I absolutely love, right? Don't get me wrong. I love all types of big deer, but I love big eight pointers. 
I agree. I love big eight pointers. Yeah. Uh, the ba- basically the main thing with me that I try to do is I'm I'm striving for five and a half year old bucks. Yeah. Uh, if it's if it's a eight pointer or less and they're four and a half years old, I I will put them on a target list unless you know they're they've got just a monstrous frame that I think they could potentially get a big quite a bit bigger. I'll let them walk, but typically I'm after five and a half year olds if possible. And that's definitely a challenge, but it is rewarding when it all comes together. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So he hits the radar. Now he's officially made a a quote unquote hit list, right? For 16. Correct. Right. Yeah. Okay. Were there any other deer on the property that you, uh, that made the hit list in 16? Yes. Another deer. I'm sorry with all the names of the, of the deer. I know people might think that's silly, but it helps us keep track and it's kind of fun at the same time with the family, but another deer we named kick it in son. Yeah. So this deer was a five and a half year old that I had literally watched since a year and a half old. And the reason I know that is because he had a giant split ear, long story short, watched him for five years. And that, that deer was number one on the list. And Uno was probably a close second for the okay. list on 2016. Okay. So, as the summer uh, comes to an end and fall starts to get here, um, what was Uno doing? Uh, was he was he falling in line with previous years, or, or did he did he throw you a curveball? No, he started throwing me the curveball in 2016. He started not showing up near as frequent. Uh, in fact, I'd say my pictures got cut in half in 2016. Okay, he was. To my knowledge, after looking through all my pictures, there was only one day that I had pictures of him in daylight. In 16? Uh, in 16, correct. During the yep. hunting season? During the hunting season, okay. that is correct. So was he nocturnal yep. on your farm? He would cut, yes. All the other pictures that I did have of him was nocturnal. It was early, you know, 12, 1 a.m. or... 10 o'clock at night, you know, and that was, that was it. it. There was no rhyme or reason, but he was still coming from the same way and exiting the same way, just not near as frequently as he did in 15 and 14. Okay. So as you're, you're learning right in 14 and 15, mm-hmm. he kind of uh, laid the groundwork uh, for what his routine was throughout a year. 16, you it sounds like you really identified it and honed in. Did you make any special tree stand moves or uh, set up tree stand locations specifically for his routine? Not really. And, and the reason for that, Dan, is like I said, the encounters or the, the pictures were less yeah. than 14 and 15. So I guess I was focused on another deer and hunting kind of a little bit further away from that core area where he was at. And I didn't, I didn't put much more focus into it. I mean, the, the trail camera pictures weren't there and the times I did hunt up there, I had no encounters. So it's kind of like, do I waste my time in trying to get him or do I try to spend time hunting this other deer who I'm positive is a homebody deer that I have a really good chance at getting. And that's what I decided to do. All right. So he was there. If he showed up, you would have shot him, but your attention was still on a different buck. Correct. Okay. That is correct. All right. Um, 
Now, I want to before we get into what happens in the the rest of 2016, I want to I want to ask about the the area that this buck called home. Uh, talk to us a little bit about the terrain features, the the timber ag split, and uh, what you felt this deer, how this deer was using the, that terrain. Sure. So our farm is basically it's a 120 acre farm. Uh, the part of that farm is, and we have a lot of ridges. It's it's fairly flat, but there are a lot of uh, ridges that all um, file down into basically a, a gully or a or a valley, you would say. And there's a lot of you know white oak trees, a lot of acorns, and then in the middle of our timber we have a five acre ag field that used to be ag, and now I use for. Uh, putting in the switchgrass for bedding and along with food plots. And then the neighboring property is much thicker. They have a lot more invasive species on their property. Uh, it's just thick, gnarly. And I was almost confident that's where he was staying. The terrain feature as far as what the layout of the land did on theirs was pretty similar to ours, just probably two to three times thicker on, you know, like I said, having that invasive species in there. And that is where I'm confident that he was, he was living. Okay. All right. So you mentioned he kind of entered your farm and exited the farm on, you know, all the time in the same direction, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So when he was coming onto your farm, did do you feel that you guys had the destination food source that he was coming to? Well, that was the plan of hopefully to have that, but no, he, he would come into the food source sometimes, but he wasn't there for the food and he was there. He was there for the, uh, for the does. Gotcha. He, he was there during the, you know, the seeking phase and, especially when it was locked down, that's when he was on us for the longest period of time. Okay. So were the, did, did your farm hold the doe group or were they also coming off the neighbor's thicket? For the most part, I can hold the majority of the doe group. Yes. Okay. All right. So yep. he, uh, he came in to visit looking for some ladies for the most part. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, so did the uptick uh, the pictures of him in, I know you, uh, I know you took a hit, uh, as far as 16 as the number of pictures that you had of him, but through 14, 15 and 16, could you tell a trend like, uh, well, man, he, he's not going to show up the first two weeks of October, but maybe once the third week, four times. Absolutely. The, okay. And then up into the rut and then trend back down again. Yes. So, one thing I noticed when he came on our property, the majority of times, even from 14, 15, and 16 combined, was most of the time northwest winds, okay. first of all. And second of all, there was basically two spots that he would enter the farm coming from the one direction heading headed west, and that's the same way he would leave, whichever. And like I said, in, in 16, those pictures were all nighttime, so – you know, it did me no good. And then sure enough, that same, during that same night, you'd have a picture of him going back to where he came from at pitch black dark. Okay. Which was heading towards the neighbors, AKA you can't hunt. So 
yeah, it was very frustrating, but that's that's definitely a trend that I picked up on pretty quick in 16. All right. So any encounters with him from the stand in 16? Zero. Zero, Zero encounters in 2016. Okay. Uh, did you hunt him much in 2016? No, I didn't because it took me till January 8th, which would be 2017, that – it, that's how long it took me to catch up to that other buck that I mentioned earlier. We had an encounter. I think we had eight or nine encounters in a row with that buck. My wife was actually trying to kill him, and we she basically got froze out because it was so darn cold. And I went right before the ATA show, and how it happened is crazy. He just comes out. I shoot him January 8th, kill him. Okay. So there wasn't much time of season left. So, so no, I, I really didn't focus on hunting him. And like I said – at that point, late season, I have got absolutely no pictures of him now. All right. So zero encounters with him from the tree stand. Zero. Dan, pic- I forgot one important. I forgot one important thing too. Okay. That really took him off the list. Twenty sixteen is the only year that he broke a tine. Okay. And he bro- he snapped off his complete G two. All right. On his on his right side, he snapped off his G two on his right side, and that was. The first or second week in November, he snapped that off. Okay. So that helped him. That helped you not hunt him, right? Correct. Absolutely. All right. Okay. So now the season's over, right? You don't have very many picks of them in the late season. Did you ever have the feeling like maybe uh, a neighbor got him, he got shot? by gun hunters or maybe got hit by a car or anything like that when he disappeared? Oh yeah. I mean, it, all, all the time went through my mind and where this deer summered, if, if he did go back to where he went, I mean, it was right next to a highway. And I mean, there's a really good chance that he could have got hit or shot by another hunter. Yeah. I mean, definitely crossed my mind quite frequently. Okay. All right. So, I mean, this is, 2016 he's a mainframe eight with a split g or a split brow and his brow tines are what 11 inches (laughs) if not more yeah yeah they're tall i don't i don't know how tall they were but yeah i'd say probably at least nine and ten yeah i would say yeah in in 16 so as an eight uh let me see if i can guess him what like what do you think he is i'm guessing uh low 150s as an eight in 16 yeah yeah, that sounds about right. Yep. Okay. So, 16's over with. Any sheds? The Which spring... is a huge eight. Yeah. I mean, I oh, know yeah. you said you love eight. But that's, that's a huge eight. Absolutely, that's a huge eight. That's a giant yeah. eight. Um, yeah. So, 16 comes and goes. Any shed antlers uh, or any other pieces of intel between the end of the season and the beginning or end you know, let's say that early spring in 17, like sheds or anything. None. And I'll be honest, I did walk quite a bit to try to find them because I knew what was coming down the pipe for 2017. Yeah. And I knew time would be of the essence for my hunting season and everything in 2017. So I looked hard and found nothing. Right. So when you say that, what did you mean by time is of the essence? Like you, you ramped the game. So in 20, 2017 my wife and i built a new house a new shed and she was pregnant okay so you had some life events coming down the pipe yeah okay yes all right 
Yep. So and I was doing a lot of our house stuff myself, you know, digging the basement and the shed and stuff. So yeah, I knew that was going to consume a lot of my time. All right. And that's one of those projects that once you start, you know, you got to try to get it done before ground freeze and get it done right. before uh, the winter hits. So no sheds and, and you did some looking for him. When into the summer of 2017 now, is he mm -hmm. already on your hit list before you even know it? Or was it one of those? Absolutely. Well, I got to see, I got, if, if he shows up, he's on the hit list automatically. Yeah. No, no, didn't matter what his rack was. He was on the list for okay. sure. All right. Um, I, I knew he had to be at least five and a half for sure. Then in 2017 summer. Right. So whatever he had, he had, I mean, I, he was going to be on the list for sure, but I was excited to see, right. you know, what this deer was going to be. Right. First picture shows up. What's going through your head? Uh, I have a heart attack. <laughs> I, when I, I pulled that card and I came home and I checked that card. I mean, I just could not believe it. I mean, I started yelling at my wife, telling her to get in here, get in here. You got to see this deer. And at this point, you know, I'm keeping this deer as much secret as I can. Yeah. But this deer is just absolutely huge. I mean, the biggest deer I now will ever chase, you know, at yeah. that point in time. And yeah, I mean, now he is a mainframe 10 that I, I don't even know how you describe his frame, but it's crazy. And his brow tines are out of this world tall, and he still has a giant split on one of those brows and then he's got a little kicker coming off his base as well. Right. Yeah. He was number one without question. Like I couldn't even focus on my house or anything <laughs> at that point. It was wow. Yeah. So the cool thing about this buck, just looking at the pictures that you've sent me is each year he's made a substantial gain in inches. And I'm, I mean, from a point where, we're talking, I don't even like typically a 14, you know, a, a three-year-old to a four-year-old is always a, a decent, you know, some kind of a decent, uh, jump, but then from, a a four to a five-year-old, you know, from 15 to 16, he makes another great jump in, in like from tine length and mm -hmm. main beam length. And then not only does he add two more inches, but then it, he, he, in my opinion, now he becomes mega status. And I mean, yeah. like world-class, world-class. Yeah. And, and even as a, in 16, as a, a low 150s eight, which is still very impressive. Like that's, it's not like gigantic, if that makes sense. You know, like right. com compared yeah. to all the stuff that floats around the internet and makes magazine covers sure. and stuff like that. So 2017 happens. And now I always, I always say that use this term i i say if you're describing a big deer you can say oh he's magazine cover he's a, he's a magazine cover yeah. type of type of yeah. deer so yeah you shit your pants right when when, yeah. when he shows oh, up yeah. and now for me i've been in the same position that you've been in before where now you have a deer that he's so impressive you don't think about anything else not only in your personal life, but in your, like, there's the hit list is one deer now, right? Right. You, you don't care about it's any other put, deer. 
30, 30 trail cameras in a 10 yard span to try to get every angle picture you can of this deer. Nothing else matters. <laughs> yeah. So is that what you did? Did you just yeah, shrink down everything? I didn't everything? put 30, but I, I put, I put 10. So I really never described this summer place that he summers because every year he summers in the exact same place. And where this location is at is there's two different property owners and they're two ag fields is what they are. And there's a little fence row that runs on the side of them, but these two ag fields, they rotate crops. So, you know, the, the farm or the crop field that I have permission on might be corn. And then the neighbor, other neighbors that I don't have permission on is, is soybeans. And then they would flip flop every year. And I would put my trail camera right on that line. And so I would get pictures of him every single summer because he would be in the, he'd be in the soybeans and he'd walk into the corn. If that makes sense. Okay. Or he'd come out of the corn into the soybeans. And, and so that's how I got pictures of him in that same location every year because those two ag fields rotated. And yeah, I mean, when I, when I got that picture of him, I just, yeah, I mean, I lost, I lost my marbles. I mean, he was biggest deer I've ever seen and I just couldn't wait. But at the same time in the back of my mind, I'm like, I know what I all have coming down the pipe in 2017. And obviously that has to take priority, but it, 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 uh, it makes the nerves go, go to shit real quick. Put it yeah. that way. <laughs> yeah. So you get the picture and if you're anything like me, the mind is happy that you got the picture, but then instantly goes to strategy mode on yeah. moving tree stands and maybe altering things. What did you do different? in the summer of 2017 after you got trail camera pictures of him that, you know, maybe moved a tree stand or planted a food, food plot or did habitat management or something like that. So I, to rewind just a little bit, what I did is I split that ag field that I told you about earlier that's surrounded by timber. I split it in, in half, basically running long ways. So I, I did, switchgrass i frosted the switchgrass in and then i had a food plot on the other side of it in hopes of enticing him and then other mature bucks to try to lay down in that switchgrass and then come out to the food and so i did that um i wouldn't say it's necessarily specific for him but there he was definitely in my mind while doing that and i did uh, move more tree stands you're gonna think i'm absolutely nuts for how many tree stands i have in the shortest span but this deer always came through this pinch area and basically he either has to come out into the wide open field or he has to go through this pinch the only other possible way he could do it is if he went right on the edge of the river so i i focused on that pinch area and i think i hung let me think here. I've got six tree stands in a 100-yard span throughout this pinch. Yeah. Yeah, I don't – that's not crazy. No, and, I mean, that's not crazy to that, me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the, the reason I did that is because, obviously, wind directions. Yep. But, two, to keep keep the stands fresh and and not, uh, you know, educate them on a specific tree stand. Yeah. I mean, I've got, uh, I've got one tree stand that's literally – 20 yards from the other right it's uh so so that those are the big preparations that i made for for before the 2017 season okay so is he active on your property all summer long or does he uh, disappear 
Well, he's not on our property. He's on that neighbor's that I have permission on. And yes, he's there all summer. Okay. So and you, then, know, you know where he's at. Yes, I know exactly where he's at. Okay. Yep. And uh, October 1st, right, is Illinois' opener for Bo? Yes. Okay. Yep. What was your strategy going into October and November uh, to try to intercept this buck? Well, I went through the history, obviously, on my the encounters I have had and the trail cameras, and I dissected the wind directions, when he moved, how he moved, et cetera, et cetera. So I, what I did is I stayed out completely in October, uh, especially or the beginning part at least until later October, because he would not show up until the last day or two of October, and then I would have some pictures of him or the encounters would be from November 1st, basically all the way to the 15th. Okay. In that in that uh, two week span, basically, right. that was my time. Otherwise, after that or before that, I was essentially almost wasting my time. I felt in that area and just you know, trashing it up, getting my scent and educating them more than anything. Right. So when's the baby due at this point? So baby is due on January twenty seventh. Okay. All right. So and we broke ground on the new house shed on in May, the later part of May, and the house is expected to be done by Thanksgiving at the latest. Okay. All right. So you were still doing a lot of work on the house. You had an extremely pregnant wife and uh so you had you had some other things that you were doing which from my experience kind of helps keeps it keeps you out of the timber until absolutely necessary. Correct. Yep. Right. Definitely. All right. So what conditions specifically did you need for you to say, I'm going hunting tonight. I'm going after him. Northwest and a big cold front. Northwest, big that's cold what, front. That's what I wanted. Yeah. You know, if you get a, a 20 degree temperature drop, something like that or 15 to 20 temperature drop and switches from a south southern wind to a northern northern wind especially northwest that's when i was ready to strike okay and when did you get that uh be towards the later part of the first week of november okay so all right so you move in and i've been there man i know exactly what you're feeling at this point just like it's like almost like you're getting ready to start a fight with somebody. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's yep. like you're just waiting to get hit in the mouth. And uh, yep. it's almost like once you get hit in the mouth, then then you can focus. And uh, what what were you thinking at this point as you're heading in to kill this deer on the first hunt of 17? I am being over the top anal on every single thing, dissecting every single thing. Whether from being scent free clothes and everything and i'm just gonna be honest with you i used to smoke cigarettes okay and i would go to extremes to to cover up my scent <laughs> um i i quit back in august this year so but i will say i was smoking at that time and i do not smoke in the tree stand no 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 did not do that but like i said i was being overly cautious on everything every step in Every single time I was cautious, but I learned something actually years prior to this. The other thing I didn't mention was 
is mornings seemed to be his ticket for the most part. Okay. This is when I had the most pictures or especially the most daylight pictures from the years past was mornings. But I realized something about this specific area, this pinch. And what I realized about this pinch is crazy or not, but when you would hunt it of a morning, if you went in pitch black dark, I would bump deer almost every single time. And that just royally pissed me off royally. Cause you don't know what you just busted, you know? Right. And the reason for that is because there's two big bedding areas between, uh, between this pinch. There's a bedding area to the east of this pinch. There's a bedding area to the west of this pinch. And then the food source is to the, be to the south of this pinch, right on the edge of this pinch. And so what I started doing, I actually started doing it back in 2012, is I would get out there at daybreak, you know, plenty light enough that you can see into the woods, but not the sun's not up yet. And then I would cautiously walk in. And, man, that was a game changer. I've done it ever since. And I can count on one hand in probably six years that I have bumped a deer going into that pinch of a morning since then. Because and I know that seems crazy, but that that's honest to God truth. You've decided I mean, to wait until you can yes, get some visual. See. Yeah. Yes. And that has been the ultimate game changer on hunting that pinch. Uh, and I'm, I'm a hundred percent confident of that because I'm not kidding you. Every morning I'd walk in, it didn't matter if I walked in at 2 AM or 5 AM, whatever, I would bump a damn deer there every time. And I, I just got tired of it. And, you know, if something's not working, you got to try something different. Right. And the bad part is there's the only other way to access this would be coming in from the food source. And then, so if they were in the food or up in that field at all, I would bump whatever deer was up there too. So it was a no win situation there. So I tried this method of going in a little bit later and it worked flawlessly. Right. And you couldn't access it from what sounds like the North because that's a, that's a no-go property, right? Uh, to the, to the East is actually no-go. Okay. To the so, East is no-go. So regardless of when I you accessed it, regardless, mm-hmm. it's still, you were bumping deer out of it. And then when you decided to change the game plan a little bit and come in during that, those early, that the gray light hours, so to speak, is when you started uh, did that, did that change immediately, uh, result in more deer on morning hunts? Absolutely. Yes. I mean, which obviously I self film most of my hunts. I film most of them. So it takes me a little bit more time than most people, but I would no more get in the tree stand, get the camera arm on camera on. And literally I started seeing deer within five minutes. It was, it was like that. And the reason I think that was happening is, is I was catching those deer when I came in at pitch black dark, I was catching them deer in, in a transition period where some deer were getting up from their beds and heading to the food source. And some deer were actually coming in from this food source, heading back to bed. If that makes sense. And I was right. Right. I was right in the middle of that. So by gray light hours, most of the deer are either in the field and they're feeding or they're already most of the way back to their beds, if not in their beds at that time. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, man. So it's now the the 2017. When did you have your first encounter with him, or did you have any encounters with him? 
Yes, I did. November 13th morning okay. was the first encounter I had with him. He came from one of those sad bedding areas, uh, coming from the same direction that, you know, he usually always comes from. And he was following a, a doe. He was hot on the tail of a doe. The doe actually bust down the ridge. It came up first. And I thought for sure that this doe would come right through this pinch. And I seen Uno not long after, right, right after that, you know, coming down the ridge, falling right behind her trail. And I thought for sure, you know, that was going to be the day. That was the ticket. It's game over. Um, especially knowing that I don't have next to any hardly uh, daylight pictures of him in the actual food source. Most of the times it was in that pinch area. He didn't like to be exposed, I guess you say, out in the wide open. Right. But uh, for whatever reason, that doe just kept on going straight and she went right out into the food and you know as as they do when they got that tail on their mind he followed suit and and went out there with her and he was at at that point in time when he got up on top of that ridge and i was looking at him broadside there he was approximately 55 60 yards got you we're and and one other one other key part Dan, i want to mention about this because i know i've had people ask me is why didn't you call to him why don't you call more so that morning was the one and only morning i've ever called to him okay and that was the one time i would that's the one time i called to him and i'll and i never did it again because of his reaction yeah so i did i did a couple grunts and he he stopped and looked he he followed the doe out to the food I did a snort wheeze and I could tell by his demeanor right away that it wasn't that he was spooked by human. I mean, the wind is perfect. It was, there might be another buck and he's going after this doe. Long story short, I did not feel after that hunt that that deer was an aggressive deer. And not to mention the fact that he'd only broke one time in, let's see, 14, 15, 16, 17 so that kind of told me maybe he didn't fight as much because, I mean, with brow times that tall, you'd think if they were a fighter, you know, surely they would snap something more off. Right. Yeah. Man, that makes a lot of sense. And that's a, that's a good thing to know. Uh, I've had bucks like that in the past too where um, you try to, you know, they come through relaxed. Maybe they're heading away. You do the, the contact grunt and they just, they get tense. And even if it's something simple like that, and they don't want anything to do, they're, they're, it's almost like they're antisocial. They don't want to do anything yep. except breed their doe and go away. Yep. All right. Exactly. So you kind of learned the, about a little bit more about that buck in, in that encounter. Um, I mean, this is a deer now you've have one, two, three, four years of history with. You have this encounter with him. It didn't pay off. Uh, was it back to the drawing board at that point, or did you say, okay, I need to, uh, uh, I just got to keep doing what I'm doing and eventually it'll pay off. Yeah, I was amped. I mean, I was, I was now dissecting every possible thing I could. However, the next four days I had work and I had the house and so I, I wouldn't be able to hunt again until after first shotgun season, which that year came on November 17th and that's when all hell broke loose November 17th what happened on um, November 17th that was the opening day of firearm season 
And on November 17th, my daughter, who was not due until January 27th, came into this world two and a half months premature, basically. Ooh. So yeah, everything kind of switched at that point. Yes, and we're not even we're not even moved into the new house yet. We're almost completed on the new house, and uh, November seventeenth comes, and boom, there's the there's my daughter who came two months ten days early. I think it was yeah, two months ten days early. Okay, so there's a time there where Uno took a back seat, and deer hunting kind of just didn't exist. Yes, uh, at all. I mean, uh, now I was in a hospital an hour north of home and trying to figure out what we're going to do with this new house. We had everything already packed to move to the new house, so it's not like we could go back and just live in the old house either. Um, so basically in one day time on Thanksgiving Day, my her whole family and my family moved everything back to this new house. And in the midst of working all day and then driving up to the hospital and then getting back home. I'm talking, I don't even know, a 15, 16 hour day, yeah. you know? And so at the time I get home, you shower, eat at nine thirty, ten o'clock at night, go to bed and repeat the next day. That was literally my life. I knew was going to be my life for the rest of the season. Yeah. Right. And it was, it yeah. wasn't until two months until we can bring my daughter back home. Yeah. So, I mean, so she had to stay in the NICU for until her due date? So, yeah, for two months, almost her due date. Okay. Yeah, so right. season was pretty much over, you know, by the time we could bring her back home. Yeah. And it, it, it was funny because I, I talked to my daughter all the time in the hospital about Uno, and uh, <laughs> my wife still remembers that. And it was funny because there was a picture on the wall of a pink deer in her little NICU unit. And it was just kind of cool and part of the story. But, yeah, I put a dagger in the season. And I would be lying to you if I said it that didn't hurt because it did. I mean, yeah. it's the biggest deer I've ever chased, Dan. I mean, and like you said, he's mega. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about him. But, obviously, my my family and, and other priorities came first. Right, right. So I never, I never, uh, we never really talked about the, he's a mainframe 10 gigantic, uh, brows, but, uh, I would say somewhere close, I'd say in the one nineties, you think he'd make, think think he would make two probably. I I'm guessing no. I'm guessing no. I'm also guessing no. I think he would have been, he would have been damn close probably. Yeah. Um, but but I don't think he would have done it. No. Okay. All right. And I, the only reason I, I talk numbers is just to get the listeners an idea of the sure. caliber of the deer that we're looking at right here. Um, so 2017 comes and goes, you know, did you check trail cameras at all during this period where your daughter came early and the end of the season or did it just yes. kind of. Yes, I was, I was definitely checking them. Um, whenever we you know would come back home from the hospital for a quick break or something or help move the house i would take an hour real quick and fly up there and and pull the cards and switch them and haul haul butt back home check them and sure enough there he was there he was there he was but again it was just like the 2016 season for the most part he he wasn't there a lot he was there more times in daylight though in 17 than he was in 16 but still 
it wasn't very consistent and it was you know same time frame after that second week of or yeah basically it was like the 20th of november that's when he basically disappeared okay and i think i did get one picture of him just cruising through in late season with snow on the ground just one quick glimpse and that was it and then he's gone right all right season comes season goes any uh any sheds from the spring of 18 uh from the set no at this point no no uh the other thing nope. you got to start worrying about with a, a deer of this caliber is other hunters start talking about him poachers start hearing about him uh were you still yep. keeping this buck uh a relative secret or was the cat out of the bag at this point at this point up to that point i i was still keeping it pretty secret on who was chasing him okay it wasn't until 2018 that i revealed um all that okay all right so and there's a reason for it yeah absolutely absolutely so spring spring comes and goes no trail camera pics of him when do you put your trail cameras out or are they up all all year uh i keep them out usually until basically march or april and then i kind of just i shift them for for turkey you know and then then about uh i would say probably like you do i mean i think you said fourth of july weekend i think that's when i put mine out fourth yeah. of july weekend close to that uh, these days yeah. anyway yeah close to that. yeah 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 so when was the first picture of uno in 18 so 18 the first picture i got of him let me it's hard for me to keep track here because <laughs> there's six years but I think 18, the first picture I got was towards the end of July. Okay. And was that the first card pull? Yes, that's first card pull. Right. Yep. Now, I'm only looking at two different pictures here. Uh, I'm looking yep. I'm looking at 17 and 18 right now, and it looks like he shrank just a little bit. He did, but he's now clean. Yeah. He is he, he is he is a now perfectly clean 10-pointer with a with a small kicker on his on his base or sticker whatever you want to call it right but yes i i felt the same way he did i feel like get a little smaller but still mega status i mean correct we're, we're yep. talking about probably five inches something something like that right so we're talking about going right. from a 195 to a 190 <laughs> just yeah just yeah still a he, giant. he just he lost he lost that split yeah and uh that was pretty much it for really. I mean, his brow might not have been brows might not have been quite as tall, but they were still really tall. Yeah. So, the house is the house done by this point by the the fall of eighteen. The fall of eighteen, yes, yes, we are moved in and everything's kosher in eighteen. Eighteen. So with yeah, everything so, kosher so in eighteen. Yeah. So leading up to. 18 now i am it's it's almost a definition of insanity how much this deer was on my mind leading up to that first trail camera picture and then even after getting it i mean i went insane on doing new new trial and error things and and hanging more sets moving the sets doing more uh trimming and yeah this deer now is like really consuming my thoughts right so 
with that said, you got you got all these years where he's nocturnal, and then he's active for a, what sounds like a very short window on the property that you can access. Mm-hmm. To I I hear that and I say, well, it's still a matter of being in the right place and at the right time because of his annual pattern, right? I mean, you can do all the, you can change tree stands, you can do the habitat improvement or whatever. It it sounded like that, um, that he still only visited daylight hours on your farm very rarely. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So did you do anything? trying to figure out your vacation days because um you know if he was nocturnal you know i said there's like a two-week period there well i basically have a a one-week straight vacation i can i could take at that point and so i had to choose my days carefully and uh you know that that's a whole we're part of a family operation we got several different companies we run but um you know that turns into a whole nother story there you know trying to figure out what time you're going to do it. Do you take off the whole first week of November or do you take off the whole second week of November? Or do you take like the fifth through the, 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 um, 12th off. So all those play, it's, it's all playing into my mind, you know, what's going to be best, but you don't know what the weather is going to be like then, because I felt like according to the pictures and everything else, I don't feel like the rut changed or anything like that. It's just a matter of the, the colder weather, you know, that's when I had the, the more pictures of them after that big cold front hit. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's definitely uh, something that uh, a lot of people have to, you know, when I was living the cubicle life, man, I was always looking at the weather and trying to figure out. Um, I, I would always block off two or three weeks until my boss, listen, and I was lucky with that I could do this. I said, I'm going to either take off the first and the second week or the second and the third week. It's all going to depend on the weather. Luckily they were cool with it. And now I don't really have to worry about it as much. I, I get mm-hmm. to come and go as I please. But, uh, what did you do? And you mentioned a lot of trial and error things, uh, in the summer of 18. Mm-hmm. The big one that I did is in that food source, I haven't done it for quite a few years, but I planted corn and I passionately hate planting corn. I mean, I, I just hate it because you, there's so much TLC maintenance you got to do for corn to get a good ear, you know, to get a good stand. Yeah. And in the state of Illinois, the other reason I, I didn't do it is because the law was not clear on whether or not you can mow down corn or not. And Believe it or not, some game wardens honestly thought different from one another. So it was a gray area, and I said, well, I'm not messing with no gray area because one guy can write you a ticket and the other guy might not. Yeah. And so I, I, I hesitated from doing that. But upon confirmation from the high up, it is legal to do. You can mow it. You can knock it down. You just cannot hunt federal uh, wild, or waterfowl on it which I wasn't doing, obviously. I was just hunting deer. But So I planted corn. I did corn for the first it. time. I, and I would brush, I would bush hog different sections of it at, at a certain time, hope, hoping that maybe that would entice him to come there more or, or stay there just a little longer, maybe change up the food source. Maybe that's what he wanted instead of, you know, the soybeans, the clover, the, um, the different cereal grains, et cetera. 
and just trying something different. And it didn't work. It did not work. So um, when you say it didn't I work, know. what, why didn't it work? Uh, because I think that's just, um, I think every deer has their own characteristic and it almost, it, he almost made me feel like it didn't matter what I did. He was going to continue to do what he did his whole life. Yeah, kept And I was not about to change. I was not about to change that. So, and, and I didn't, re- I didn't know that obviously at that point in time, because I'm in the trial part of, of planning it and everything, but it's, it's, it's me trying something different, you know, and, and hopefully enticing them. And don't get me wrong. There were a pile of deer in this corn. I mean, just tons of deer in this corn, but not him. He yeah. still showed up the same time um, in 2018 that he did in the previous years, which was the second week of October, I believe, and nighttime. And he was nighttime all the way throughout, you know, and up until those sacred two weeks. Yeah. So he's on your property. It's nocturnal. It's not like you can do anything. Yeah. You can't hunt a deer in the middle of the night. What? Right. When did he, when was the first, or did you have any encounters with him? during season in 18 yes i did i actually had three encounters with him okay and they were almost back to back to back so the first encounter i had with him um and and maybe the corn did work on this maybe it didn't uh you'd be the judge of that but uh, there was a doe he was with and for whatever reason she was very skittish. I mean, she was on pins and needles. The wind's perfectly in my face. There's no way they could smell me. Um, we have a good breeze. And this is on November. Let me get this right here. This would be on November 6th. November 6th. And she's coming directly to the corn, which is coming right past me at 20 yards. That's the path that they're, that she is on. And I look behind her, and sure enough, there's Uno. So I turn on the camera, get filming, standing up at this point, not moving. I don't even have my bow in hand, nothing. And she's she's coming, but she's very skittish. And Uno recognizes that. And he, he goes on full alert watching her. He doesn't even move. He just stands there. And she comes about 20 yards closer. And at this point, she's probably she is probably 35 or 40 yards, and he is at about 60 yards. Did you have a shot at the doe? Oh yeah, I, I could have I could have shot the doe probably, um, but I couldn't have shot her probably until she was turning to go away. Got ya. Because she was walking directly at me. Got ya. Uh, so she gets skittish, and whatever reason, she just turns around and goes right back where she came from, and and Uno follows suit right with her. So, as as hard as that was to swallow, that I will say that I was completely amped for the next few hunts because from the past that i noticed when he would come through this area it would be like a two or three day in a row almost span and then boom lights out gone again so i don't know if that was that was him in the seeking phase locking down the doe or was he technically locked down with the doe and just following her doing what she's doing i know different people's got different definitions of that um but to me, he was with that doe. He was with that single doe. Yeah. And so that leads us to the November 7th morning. 
and I'm hunting the exact same stand, have the exact same wind, and which is basically this stand is sitting on the corner to where I can now shoot into the food, and I can also shoot into the pinch. And to give you a visual how wide this whole pinch is, the whole pinch width is probably 100 yards. All right, so it's pretty tight. Yeah, it's pretty tight. And so I decide to sit that same stand again, and I think it was, I'd seen some deer up to that point. It was around 8.30 or 9 o'clock in the morning. I happened to look over my shoulder, and three does at about 30 yards just bust out right behind this little maple tree that still was holding leaves, and they just take off down this ridge towards towards this other bedding area, and I couldn't figure out what was going on, but I, I knew I didn't bust them, and when they ran away, their tails weren't up. You know, their tails were still tucked. So I, I stood up immediately and got the camera in position and didn't see anything, didn't see anything, and then finally... I just caught a glimpse. The sunlight hit just right where, you know, those sunspots on the on the floor. And he walked right into one of those. And I could see his tines in. And he's now he was he had been standing right behind that maple tree. And I didn't even know it the whole time at 30 yards. And he, now he was walking diagonally away from me, heading towards this other ridge. And wasn't chasing after the does or running by any means but he was just walking at a gradual pace towards kind of where they went. And uh, so anyways, he goes down a little bit further, gets out of range, and then I realize what's going on. He was diagonally walking away towards three other bucks that were trying to come in and swoop to take his does away. But he wasn't acting super aggressive towards them by any means, but he was just trying to, I guess, cut them off. Yeah. And uh, so anyways, he goes away that, that morning. Okay. That's and encounter number two. That's encounter number two, back-to-back hunts. Yep. And then the next encounter comes on November 9th morning. Um, I'm in the exact same stand again, and he go he comes in at 60 yards, and he is on the 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 furthest away part from me on the pinch. So um, he's not quite all the way to the other edge of that ridge, but he's he's about 60 yards away, and he's by himself just cruising down the ridge. So when you saw this, so I see a, a buck by himself cruising down a ridge. That tells me maybe I might try to grunt at him just to get his attention, right? Mm-hmm. Did, did that go through your mind at all to try to grunt at him? Or did you say, I, no way am I calling at this buck? No way am I calling on this buck. Okay. I did not want to educate this deer on my location in this pinch or I felt I would lose any opportunity I would have at him. Yeah. That was that was my mindset. And the other part is this pinch is really wide open. It's not thick. It's it's a lot of oaks in there and the forest floor is pretty void of everything. I mean it's pretty clean. So he could see where the source of the call would come from. And when I say cruising, I'm not talking about you know, those really rutted up bucks with their nose to the ground and, uh, you know, their tails flickering and, you know, they're trotting and everything. He was on a slow gait walk, just head up and then nose down for a second or two and then back up. Not, nothing hardcore, you know, when, when we say cruising. Yeah. Okay. And 
and then he just works his way out of the area. Yep. And then just like that lights out. Um, don't see him again. Uh, I did get some trail camera pictures, obviously went back to work and everything. I think I did get him on trail camera one more time in daylight. Um, and, and that was it. Uh, and then he, he was gone. Was he hitting that corn during late season at all in 18? No, no. And that was the other part about corn, which again is trial and error, but the deer had demolished all the corn before December even got here. Uh-huh. I, I would say I had two and a half acres of standing corn and they, uh, they demolished all of it before December ever even got here. Okay. So no more encounters in 18. Correct. All right. Now you, you mentioned you shared a story a little bit about this buck and I'll be honest, I had a piece of property that I shared some information with on social media uh, and through um, some other stuff that I was doing back in the day. And it actually led to more people uh, hunting the neighboring properties and hunting the property that I was hunting. And uh, I don't hunt that property anymore because it, it became overrun with people. But uh, you mentioned you shared some some information on this on this buck. Did that result in more people trying to hunt this buck? Well, unbeknownst to me, um, this is when this is when everything changes. Now, after basically the eighteen season, what I thought I knew, I now realize I knew nothing. I mean, I felt like the biggest idiot ever after this season and it all started by a neighbor one time i met him and he he asked me he goes do you ever see that brow time buck that tall brow time buck which i mean how many deer like that are gonna have brow times like that so i knew exactly what deer he's talking about yeah and you know i said yeah i saw you know i saw him once or twice whatever and no big deal well then another neighbor reaches out hey did you see that brow time buck i'm like yeah and you know, these neighbors are completely opposite directions, first of all. And um, then they say, well, I, I saw them at, um, at this point in time. I'm like, really? Well, not much longer. And a gentleman reaches out to us on the Team Radical Facebook page, private message, and said, hey, I uh, just want to let you know about about killed Uno this morning. And this was during firearm season in 18. And, you know, you have people reach out to you and say, oh, I was chasing this deer, blah, blah, blah. And you kind of just in one year out the other, right? Well, right. he provided a cell phone picture of Uno standing next to the road uh, during pure daylight. And so he was not kidding. And that location is approximately three to four miles north of our property. No shit. Then it gets better. Pull my beer because <laughs> because then another neighbor reaches out and they have video of this deer two and a half miles south across the river across the giant bottoms on video during close to the same time frame. So now I have confirmation that neighboring people have seen him two and a half miles north of of the property. I have confirmation right before season started in 2018 of Uno being 
almost three and a half, four miles east of our property. Then during season, shotgun season, he was almost four miles north of our property. And then probably a mile and a half, two miles west confirmation. So now well, I felt really <laughs> dumb. Well, <laughs> but most whitetails don't do that. Like I, I would not say, especially that, when they get older, right? Right. That sounds like a, I, I what a Kansas deer them does. As old men. Yeah. Like no way were their core area get bigger, right? Well, wrong. It did. So it was much larger. <laughs> well, and you. So all you have is your little sample size, and now you're starting to get information from other people saying, "Hey, right, you got." And this is like roughly a six mile in diameter area now that we're we're talking yeah. about and man that just yeah. he's he's moving a lot in that time yeah frame. now now i'm mind blown like are you kidding me so it, it, it that really hurt and then i realized okay um the properties that are around me these neighbors and everything i'm speaking of it's they're not properties that anybody's gonna be able to come in and get permission on i mean they're just not yeah. There's no way. Um, and I'm not scared of them hunting our family farm, obviously, because it's our family farm. And so I realized, okay, you know, it's not going to hurt to go public with it and, and you know, kind of get some people to enjoy the story if they want to. And so I, I did in a small portion. I didn't go, you know, over the top or anything like that. But um, that was just really intriguing to me. And almost mentally felt defeated you know you've hunted mature bucks in the past and had luck and they did what you thought and blah 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 and their core area got smaller yada yada and you got the deer so this deer should follow suit right well no i was wrong and he's doing complete opposite of what i thought he would be doing so in essence i felt mentally defeated in a way but at the same time i had to ground myself and realize you need to focus on what you do know and what you can control and not what you can't control. Right. And I also found out that another neighbor that butts up to our property missed this deer. This was actually in 2017. So I'm rewinding just a little bit. In 2017, he had missed this deer at 30 yards on the ground with a crossbow. He missed him. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I was like, are you kidding me? Yeah. So when you find, when you find out he's got a much bigger range than you thought, did you then mm -hmm. try to access different farms in that range to try to see if he was, you know, at least just to throw some trail cameras on? Yeah, I, I did. And, um, one of the properties that he was on, uh, right before deer season is actually a, a family member of my wife. And uh, he actually took a cell phone picture of him standing in the beans. And so he, he now knew what that, who that deer was. He had no idea that it was even Uno. Gotcha. And he knew I was chasing Uno. I mean, between my family, we shared stories, obviously. And um, so I said, you know, if you get pictured of him again or you see him again, like, I would like to know just to know what he's doing. And he never did see him again or whatever. But and then I went to another neighbor and, and hung some cameras, never never produced anything. But um everywhere else, you know, I knew there was no way I was gonna get permission. 
but uh, so that's why I said I, f- I had to focus on what I did know, you know, as far as it goes on our ground. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you get all this information and mm-hmm. the 18 season is over. Spring 19 is here. And, you know, <laughs> I, I, I already know you're thinking about this deer all the time now. Right. Yep. Any shed, any more information the spring, like sheds, or any additional scouting before the summer of nineteen. Yes, I found a shed antler of him, okay. but it was a shed antler from two thousand seventeen. His right side. His right side. And the, the squirrels had demolished it. Um, okay. a, a big portion of it, not all of it, but it was enough that you could tell who it was. But you know, they chewed half the brow off. They chewed some other time. Uh, and whatnot but where i found this at was i never really even went there to check it's exactly where he summered is exactly where i found it and the reason i never went there is because there's like nothing there i i would have figured there's no way he would be over there in the winter um and, and farmers that are neighbors you know they till under their fields so it's i, I didn't see any reason why he would be over there it's just a little bitty fence row. I'm talking literally 10 yards wide. If you know, and it uh, has those two ag fields right there. But again, they're both tilled under. Didn't think nothing of it. Well, I did find that one side. Okay. And I'm like, okay, so he's heading back to where he summers in the in the winter. You know, later season. Okay. So that kind of gave me some intel there that I thought, but again. I just told you, you know, he just made a six mile loop. I mean, every single direction. So I still didn't feel like I had a piece of the puzzle that was giving me anything really other than cool. I got a prize possession and that was about it. Yeah. Okay. Leading up to, leading up to summer. Any, anything during the summer. I mean, I take it you got some more trail camera pictures of them in the summer. So I set out the trail cameras same time and honestly it was just like tying your shoes you know you figure you're gonna put your trail camera out and he's gonna be on there at this time he's been on the camera every single year so far since in the two-week frame usually the middle to end of july uh and and very first week august i definitely had pictures of him every single year so i set the trail cameras out i set multiple cameras out again and I do the first card pull, and this would be the end of the first week of August, and he is not on it. And I'm not going to lie, like I was freaking out a little bit because at that time, I started seeing circulation on Facebook and such of EHD hitting very close by. Oh, boy. And and, uh, so I I feared for the worst, but in the back of my mind, I, I told myself that EHD is here every year. It's just worse some years than others, and he probably has survived it. Maybe he's immune to it, you know, but at the same time, those mature bucks, you don't know. So I was kind of mixed feelings there, and I'm like, well, I'm going to move my cameras just a little bit, and maybe that'll work. Well, it wasn't until August, I think it was August 16th in in nighttime hours, my cell camera went off when I woke up, I checked it, and there he was. He was okay. on it. So what was going through and, your, what was the first thought that crossed your mind when he finally showed up in 19? Holy shit. Yeah. 
game on. I mean, huge. I think his brows are the tallest, especially that one is the tallest that they've ever been. Still clean 10. And then I got another series of pictures that exact day, um, you know, within probably 40, 50 yards of there that was daylight. And then I could really see his rack. And I thought maybe he had busted his main beam off. I don't know if you can tell that in the pictures or not, yep. but I thought I, it almost looked like he broke his main beam off. But the more I looked at it, the more I thought, I don't think he did because they look about the same length. And I think that he just dubbed that end of it and, and it, and it shot up at the end now. Yeah. And, uh, so I wasn't sure, but you know, those are the pictures I had of him that summer. I just realized, you know, it, at that point it didn't matter. Like yeah. I, I was going to focus everything on that deer for yeah. sure. So 19 and I can't tell based off of the trail camera picture, but it, in 19 he's about equal to uh, 18 or did he actually shoot up a little bit back to the 17 size? He's, he's, he's almost equal to 17. Okay. So he's back. He's other back. than, other than the split, other than the split, um, he, I feel like he's in the same caliber as, of 17. Okay. All right. Yeah, so I definitely definitely feel he's bigger than he was in eighteen, without question. What are you doing now? I mean, it's the summertime. Uh what are you doing now? Because what you did in eighteen didn't work. What you did in seventeen, uh I mean, granted you couldn't hunt that much in seventeen because of the family, but eighteen what you did didn't work. You found out a whole bunch of information about this buck after the season was over. And so were you planning on changing the game up to try to get this buck? Or were you going to fall back into the same routine and just do what you felt was right to try to uh, connect with him? It almost feels like the definition of insanity, doesn't it? Yep. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I mean, that's that's how I felt. And that's what I kept telling myself in my mind that, Kyle, you've got to change something up. You've got to try something different. And and again, I did on the food source, I, I frost-seeded clover and chicory into my corn. Came up great because what I realized over the years that I started noticing more and more on my trail cameras and encounters, at least here, is that I have more daylight pictures and encounters with mature bucks and deer in general over green sources on on average more than i do on grain sources whether it's corn or or standing soybeans you know obviously nothing's going to trump uh standing soybeans in late season especially snow on the ground whatever but on a whole as an average i have more daylight pictures and video of mature bucks and deer in general in the greens than i do then so i'm like you know i'm gonna try clover and chicory because it's it's pretty easy to maintain um and you know it can take a significant amount of browse because i told you earlier the corn didn't even last till december so <clears throat> i i didn't want to run out of food if that makes sense too on yep. that aspect yep so you, you switched so, up the food a little bit uh, what about the strategy yep. standpoint uh for one i cut down that maple tree <laughs> it's almost like you got pissed at it <laughs> 
like, I did. I mean, I, I had vengeance when I took down that little maple, and I'm not afraid to say it. That's funny. <laughs> but uh took down that maple tree, and I did um, add one more stand in a location that where he headed to or came from each time to where it intersected from those three encounters I had with him in 18. And it's in a it's in a big white oak, and you can really see a long ways. And the access and exit to that stand is is about bulletproof. I guess between these ridges that come together, it's almost like a ditch. And I can essentially walk this ditch all the way in to where literally probably two foot of my body was exposed, and that's it. So I uh, hung that stand. But other than that, I really didn't change anything other than where he accessed and exited the property. I I literally just made a wall of trail cameras across there okay. to hopefully know when he came in. And I wanted the trail cameras where, you know, I can walk to or drive my side-by-side right to, grab the cards, and get out. And, again, wasn't going to start hunting him until later October at the, at the, at the earliest. Um, were you, so but you I were also, checking trail how, – how often were you checking trail cameras – Either once a week, once a week. Okay. And you felt that at 12 o'clock noon or one o'clock, 12 o'clock or one o'clock, no later, no earlier every single time. Okay. All right. So did you feel that uh, like going into this season, um, did you feel he was doing the same thing that he had always been doing? Because, um, you know, he's nocturnal most of the time on your farm or did he again throw another curveball and change his uh, pattern. No, he did not change his pattern. Uh, there was another thorn in the 2019 season that I felt I needed to take care of, though, uh, prior to shooting Uno. And that is a deer that I coined Titanic. And this deer is relevant because the deer is gigantic. I mean, his body's big, head's big, and he is a bully. So what I gathered, and as we mentioned earlier, Uno wasn't a really aggressive buck. So I was afraid that Titanic was going to run him off when he did come on to our property because Titanic was a, a homebody, okay? And I watched Titanic run off one of the best four-year-olds that I've ever seen uh, the year prior, and it got shot by the neighbor. So I did have a bone to pick with him already, and I felt honestly that I truly needed to shoot that deer. And the bad part is, is this buck was in the same area of where Uno travels through when he does come on our property. So I really had to contemplate Am I going to burger this up too much if I shoot him? And and if I do shoot him, will that in will that help my chances at, at getting a crack at Uno? Right. So this buck, this bully buck that you're thinking, if mm-hmm. I get this dominant buck out of the area, Uno is going to absorb that. He's going to be on this property a little bit more, or at least that was the the hopes. Yeah, he had he would have free reign. I felt okay. So. Did that buck play an impact on previous years, you think? Do you think he was a bully buck, uh, Titanic was a bully buck the previous years too? Yes, the previous year I knew he was. 
I elected to pass him like an idiot, um, which I thought at the time. I mean, I, I felt like an idiot until after I saw him in 2019. Believe it or not, this deer actually exploded uh, from last year to this year. Um, and, and you can see him on the video. But he uh, he ran off that four-year-old. I watched him run off a couple other bucks. And then, you know, I put two and two together. He didn't really do that until after I already had those real quick encounters with Uno. But it was the fact of, well, if he becomes more dominant, you know, and Uno does come on here, he can chew Uno off real quick. And after seeing him in 2019, I was confident that there is no question in my mind he would definitely have whooped Uno. Yeah. Uh, you know, just body size, he he was he was the toad on the property. Yeah. And uh, when did so you end up I, shooting I, him? I shot him on November 8th afternoon. Okay. All right. And and luckily I shot him and he only went about from where the arrow was laying, he went 30 yards and piled up. So I was able to drive right in there, literally throw him up in the side by side and get out. Okay. Um so and, uh, you, you I, I feel like we need to rewind though big time Dan, because there's another huge um part of this puzzle that I hadn't mentioned yet. Okay. Um, our second daughter was due. My wife is pregnant at this time, begin coming in the season. My wife is due on December eighth with our second child. So it's crunch time and, in nineteen. Yep. So October comes, and you know everything's going smooth. And October twenty fourth, I was sitting in the tree stand. My wife texts me and said, "I'm I'm going to go get checked out because she works at the hospital." Yeah, and she had some back back pain or whatever long story short she got checked was dilated out of four i drove nascar to the hospital got out of the tree and there was our next uh second born daughter uh a month and a half premature uh, again we're going back we're going back to the freaking hospital an hour north and i'm like game over game over well i'll just be straight up honest if it wasn't for my family and my wife being absolute freaking rock stars, there's no way we'd even be having this conversation right now Yeah, because she knew how bad I wanted it. My whole family knew. And my mother-in-law sacrificed a ton of time to watch my other child while I sat in the tree stand feeling guilty and everything. And at the same time I fell up with bronchitis. So now I can't even go to the hospital to see my second born child because I've got bronchitis. And, um, yeah, it, it turned into a complete shit show in a hurry. Wow. And, um, so when was your, when so, was your second daughter born? She was born October 24th and wasn't okay. due till December 8th. Okay. So, so your, your daughter, uh -huh. your, your second daughter is in the NICU again. Right. And, and when, mm -hmm. This time only a month early, but still that's early. Uh, when yeah. when was she planning on getting out? So thankfully everything went great after that. Um, I will say my nerves were completely shot. Um, they had to do CPR on my daughter twice Woo. to revive her. Um, emergency C-section on my wife, which – makes things even harder because they can't lift anything over 10 pounds, AKA can't lift our first born, born child. Can't lift nothing. Um, so, um, I don't even know where I was going with that, but that, that just made things even worse, obviously. Right. 
there was and, some drama at home basically that oh big time huge you weren't even yeah. focusing you couldn't focus 100 percent on this deer right no i was like worried about having a damn heart attack i mean over <laughs> over the over the second born child and in the midst of all that dan and i have not told anybody this part of the story but i'm going to throw this on top of it um so i meant earlier i mentioned we have uh three family businesses and that's what i work work for and work with we own a trucking company um two stone quarries and in a gravel pit and i became part owner of the trucking in 2015 and we sold all three companies in the at the middle of september which is not even completely done yet that's when we started the talks yeah so getting all that ironed out in the midst of all of this too um just hell is all i can say yeah hell yeah and um so yeah mother-in-law volunteers to help watch my daughter my firstborn and my wife is at the hospital with our secondborn and Luckily, she's encouraging me, and she's like, go kill him. Go kill Uno. I want you to kill Uno. And, you know, my mother-in-law was on board. Everybody was on board, and they're just pushing me. And that gave me an extra boost of confidence and motivation, like, get the damn job done. Yeah. And Quit fucking around um, and go kill that deer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I am now, like, when I walk out to the woods – feeling like Rambo, like I am going to make this happen. Like I am going at all costs, going to figure this out and make this happen. Like now I'm going to do it. Yeah. And I, I did, I carried that confidence. It wasn't being cocky. I was, I was just, I had that level of confidence now walking into the woods right. and, and I needed that. Otherwise I don't think I could have sat there. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. So then, not, not to interrupt, yeah. but that's crazy. I know there's a lot of guys out there. Um, who feel, I still feel like that where it's like your wife is at home with the kids. And I talk about this Mm -hmm. every once in a while, how bow hunting can be a bit of a selfish sport, but you, you, you step back and then you kind of realize, I got three crazy ass kids. And when my wife is at home taking care of them while I'm out, quote unquote, enjoying myself, when you get that, go kill them go get him message from her. She's saying that not only so you can have the confidence, but so that get the job done and get your ass home type of deal. Right. And when they give you that permission that, that they got your back too on, on that, that, that just makes a, a guy feel good about himself. He can go in and he knows he doesn't need to worry about the kids because wife's got it covered. Right. And and I'm and same with the rest of the family, you know, mother in law and them and my family Absolutely. helping. Like like it I, I am not a person to ask for favors or ask to help me out. I I passionately hate doing that. And it, that just killed me, you know, that they were taking time out of their day to come watch my daughter, um, when I easily could have been sitting at home with her and taking care of her my damn self. Yeah. Um, but they kept pushing me, you know, like it's fine. It's okay. And, you know, always asking them, are you sure that's fine? Are you sure that's okay? And so in the midst of this though, I'm now taking my daughter though, my firstborn to daycare. And the earliest I can drop her off is six. 
and then I NASCAR it back home, throw on all my hunting gear, NASCAR it down to the spot that I'm going, and, you know, as quickly as humanly possible, almost running to get to my tree stand, because now I'm not entering the woods at, you know, those gray light hours. It's it's freaking daylight when I get into the stand. I mean, it's 7 o'clock when I'm getting to the stand now. Are you sitting and all day? It's, I'm sitting, I sit, I was sitting, um, let's see, I would sit from seven till 1130 and then I would get down and I would be back in the stand by around one. Okay. All right. So, and I'm not far from the house whatsoever. Okay. Um, so that, so that worked out great, but that's what I was doing. And, um, like I said, the first, one of the first sits out for a couple, few sits, I, I shot Titanic So back to that story now, back to Titanic. I shoot him, you know, celebrate with family, and I'm pumped. Like, I'm not going to lie, the the feeling, that feeling was one of the biggest confidence boosters for the remainder of season, just shooting that deer. And it just felt great and sharing it with my family and friends and everything. And, um, but in the, after that happened, which was November 8th, I had to go back to work a little bit and then, um, you know, taking care of business and, and stuff at home on the home front, taking the kids to the doctor, you know, taking two kids, getting three shots in one day and a screaming other baby. Isn't that fun? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you're carrying one kid and then you're carrying the other kid in a car seat because the wife can't pick up her temp. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. And then, uh, so November 12th would be the next morning I could get back out. And, and that's what I did. I went back to the old faithful pinch there and, um, didn't, uh, didn't see anything for a while. And then around eight o'clock in the morning, um, I looked out into the, the, uh, clover field cause you can see all the way through and see all the way into the food source from the pinch. And I caught a glimpse of antlers with the sunlight, just barely trickling off the antlers through my binoculars and I'll be damn it's Uno and he's right behind the doe and he is walking directly to the exact tree that I just shot Titanic at four days prior and he does he walks right past it and he goes into this TSI that we did years ago and I was confident that if he laid down in there with that doe that I would kill him that afternoon game over and I mean, I'm already putting a game plan in my mind. I'm already, I'm already knowing that the, the morning hunt is over. Like there's no sense in sitting any longer. That's where he's going. I know what to do that afternoon. And, um, I decide to get, start packing up my stuff. And I happen to look back up about five, 10 minutes later. And I see deer going crazy, running back and forth on the other side of the timber just back and forth and I throw my binos and it's uno and I don't even know six or seven other bucks with seven does now and they are running full blast just back and forth back and forth east to west east to west and they did that for probably 10 minutes and different bucks were posturing each other and long story short uno finally goes back into the TSI and then I real uh, then I start putting my plan in motion so get with me. Yeah. So you're getting okay. ready to get, you're getting ready to get down and move. Yep. And yep. then the rut happens, right? All the, the all yep. this running around, uh, and Uno, did he de- like, did he 
get the doe that he wanted away from the rest of these bucks and eventually kind of get them off of her? Or did they at chase that, another? At that point, I didn't know. Okay. At that point, I didn't know because there were seven does in there, and I didn't know what was going on. I mean, they were – I mean, it was just nuts. Yeah. I, it was insane. It was one of those mornings. Not to mention, I think you mentioned earlier in another one of your podcasts about the November 12th and 13th, but they were freaking cold. Yep. November 12th was probably negative seven wind chill here, yep. five to seven, negative five to seven because – there's 15 mile an hour winds. It was freaking cold. Yep. Um, but anyway, um, so where I shot that deer Titanic, he walked right past and I already planned that afternoon or, you know, one o'clock, I want to be in that tree. And I knew I was going to take a chance because if he was bedded too close in that TSI, he could possibly see me because we had snow on the ground. The visibility game was super strong. And so I made a phone call to another good friend of mine, Jake Vansel, and and uh, told him about it. And he said, I'm leaving Springfield right now, coming straight to your house to film you kill him tonight. And at that point, I did all the self-filming myself, and I kind of wanted to kill him on a one-to-one, one-on-one, uh, just because it's a hellacious challenge I'm sure you're aware of. Yep. And I honestly enjoy that challenge, but that's besides the point. But Jake comes down. We're walking up to this location at one o'clock. We we get into the stand, do not bump a single deer, and I'm like freaking right, you know. Uh it's gonna phase happen. one is some Yeah, it's gonna happen. Tonight is the night, it is game on. And we no more turn the camera on and here comes the fawn. Goes right past us. Then not even two minutes later, here comes a two and a half year old buck, goes past us. And I look back over my shoulder and I see a group of does coming right at us heading right to the food. Cause my thought process was cold weather, snow on the ground. These deer have to move more cause it's this cold. Surely those does are going to try to come to the food. And sure enough, they were, they're coming. And then Jake said, I think I see antlers. And I threw up my binoculars and it was Uno walking right behind these does directly to us. Yeah. So get everything in position and they're on the backside of the tree for me. And these does start coming right to us. And this doe walks right through this lane and I range it and it is 50, I think it's 52 yards. And she keeps walking, you know, going from my right to our left broadside. And Uno walks right into that lane and stops. And I'm just thinking to myself, no way. Like at home all day on my practice range, I can make that no no question. But not knowing what their reaction is going to be when you pull that trigger, I just felt don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And I didn't. And I let him walk. And he followed that doe. And that doe, I don't know if the wind got him, got us or, or what exactly happened, but she threw her nose up in the air and didn't like something. She didn't blow or nothing. She just turned and – Uno kind of did one of those nudges towards her and she just took off running back right where she came from. And Uno stood there for maybe a few more seconds and then took off chasing right back towards her. And they went off into the, a good distance away and we watched him for quite a while. And I was confident we wouldn't see him anymore that afternoon. And we didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that brings us to, go ahead. So close call. 
good, great encounter. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the next time? And did you make any changes or was it right back to that stand? No. So the next morning we went from, uh, we went to a Northwest wind direction. I'm sorry. That's a lie. That's wrong. Next morning was going to be a complete opposite wind direction. It was going to be a Southeast wind. And that stand that I was in the evening before would not work if, for that wind direction whatsoever. And I was confident that if I was a big buck, uh, you know, like Uno, like he's done in the past, this deer knew how to play the wind to a T. I mean, he was, he was not dumb. Even if he was behind those, he was not dumb. And I thought to myself, if I was a big buck, I would walk through this pinch and I would hang tight as close as I could on the northern ridge because they're they're not gonna get on they're not gonna get all the way north of that. So that way they can have the visibility to look out over the ridge. And then everything else, you know, from the pinch and the and the food source, they would have they could smell. Does that make sense? Yep, absolutely. Okay, so I'm going back to the pinch and just to rewind real quick, I mentioned earlier about putting a stand in this pinch about 15 yards away from another stand. I hung my lone wolf um, 15 yards away from this other stand because I felt like it pinched a little bit more. And, and I did. I was in and out. I actually hung that stand on Halloween day um, when I had an hour break from with the kids and everything after delivering our second child. So I, I have that stand in there, and that's the stand I'm going to that next morning, November 13th. And this tree, real quick, is a – I mean, I don't know what kind of tree it is, but it's its slick. There's like no branches. There's no freaking cover, and I can't stand that. However, I'm confident the deer is not going to get on the north side of the tree, and I plan on shooting everything on the south side of the tree in the pinch. Right. So my thought process was get the stand up and face it directly north to where it would break me up more so than if I put it on the side of the tree, they would, you know, they would be able to skyline me. If that makes sense. Yep. Absolutely. So from a regular bow hunter standpoint, that would be, you know, easy peasy. However, when you're running a camera and a camera arm, you got that on, I have that on my left side of the tree and I have my bow hanging on the right side of the tree as I'm facing the tree towards the pinch. Yep. And Keep in mind, this pinch is, is super open, you, snow on the ground, I, and that next morning, I think you could have heard a tick fart. It was that quiet. Yep. And uh, I, I was confident I would be able to hear or see anything coming long before it ever got to me. And I, luckily that morning, my sister-in-law took my daughter to daycare. They volunteered, and, and I'll never forget, my brother-in-law said, you better kill Uno this morning. Because his wife took my daughter to daycare. And uh, long story short, got to the stand, got set up, no deer yet. And at about uh, 20 after 7, 25 after 7, I stood up and and moved really slowly, you know, head on a swivel. Don't make a lot of movement because there is no wind. And don't see anything. And I look over my left shoulder, not seeing anything. And... I don't hear nothing, don't see nothing, turn to the right, and Uno is at 30 yards walking right into the freaking pinch. 
so from the time that you sh- uh, saw him, right? What yep. was he already in shooting range? Thirty yards, wide open. Wide open. Okay. So yep. walk us yep. through what happened. Walk us through what goes on from there. Uh, so, so my first thought is how, how in the heck did he get there without me knowing? I mean, that was a brief second thought. And then the second thought was, oh my God, like now f- complete frantic mode because Cameron Cameron was on the left side of the tree and I'm going to film it. I'm not going to not film it. I, uh, that's, that's, that's my number one weapon. And so I turn on the camera, get the settings right, start getting some video of him. And then I realize, Hey, I got to get my bow. And he's walking actually diagonally a little bit closer. And as least amount of movement as I can, as slow as I can, I get the camera in position to where he's walking towards. I grab, come back on the other side of the tree, grab my bow and my damn safety line, you know, is going directly to the tree, even though it does have slack, I've got to come up over my safety line and I'm getting ready and I come up over my safety line. We're all still good. And the camera's still in position. And I realize immediately there is no way I can come to full draw, have that safety line half-ass, you know, going to be a problem. And second thing, the camera arm and the camera are right by the the bottom of my limb. So there's no way I'm going to be able to pull this shot off. And I had zero time to move the camera and camera arm and try to get that. By that time, by the time I would have done that, he would already been on the right side of the tree. Uh, the way he was walking. So I take my bow and come back over my safety line to go to the right side of the tree after making sure the camera's on. And for whatever reason, my damn broadhead just barely catches the tree bark on the tree. Oh, shit. And when it grabs it and it comes off, it just makes a small little rattle in my arrow rest. And I just completely freeze with the tree between me and him. And he doesn't even hear it, see anything. He's He's still walking. So I come back over on the right side of the tree, look over at the camera real fast and see that he's, he's literally now in the frame. So I come to full draw as fast as I can, get him stopped, and uh, I pull the trigger. I, I settle in, pull the trigger. And my first reaction was, shit. Um, that was horrible. That was horrible. And he runs 50, 60 yards, and he stops, and I'm watching him and get the camera on him and he you can tell he is hurt when he's walking like he it's everything he can do to walk so to give you a visual where i hit him initially i thought i hit the the front side shoulder the shoulder closest to me i thought i hit too far forward and i pinwheeled that front shoulder and i was worried about my penetration if if i went all the way through or did it stop on that shoulder right so he went 50, 60 yards, stopped, and then there's a little ridge he was at the t- on the top of, and he uh, walked down that ridge just a little bit, just out of eyesight. And I knew that I'd sit there and watch. He, I could be able to see him if he came out from any side. If he continued walking straight, I would see him. If he crossed that little dip or if he came out from the ridge on either side, there's no doubt I would be able to see him. So I sat there for probably, shoot, I felt like I'd sit, sat there for 15 minutes, but it's probably only five. 
And I just done decided then I'm going to pack up all my gear. I'm going to get down. I'm going to go back to the house. I'm going to give him four to five hours, watch this footage on big screen, see exactly where I hit him and, and kind of look at the anatomy and see what I think I might've got or not got. And as I'm packing up the last thing in my pack, I look over and I can see Uno now laying just, it's probably 20 yards from where I last saw him, but on the face of that other ridge, he's laying there now, bedded down, facing quartering away. And I'm like, uh, now what? You know, he keeps slouching his head down, laying his head down sideways, and then he pick it back up real slow. And I mean, you can just tell this deer was severely hurt. So I, I, uh, called a friend real quick and I'm like, Hey, what do you think? And he's like, well, deer cast says, wait, at least 45 minutes or whatever he said, uh, based on the anatomy where, cause I sent him a screenshot of the, where the arrow hit with the light of knock. And I said, screw it. I hung up the phone. I didn't take the camera down. I lowered my bow. I knew I could stalk up to him and shoot him again. So that's what I did. I got down and took about five, 10 minutes and closed about 40, 50 yards. And once I got to that, there's a little ridge between me and him. So he can't see me at all. The wind's perfect. And from the tree stand, I marked visually two trees that are, it's one tree basically, but it splits. I visually marked that tree. That is the tree that I needed to get to, to be able to shoot him again. So when I got about 10 yards from that tree, I got down on my belly and belly crawled to that tree. And when I got to that tree, I slowly came up and found him laying. He was laying right where last seen him, still facing, quartering away. Had no idea I was there. Wind was right. Got the range on him, 45 yards. Looking to straight on with him and looking to my left and right, I had zero shot, though. There's one little tree that's probably a couple inches around that has branches that come off right over across his vitals. And the only way I can pull this off is if I pull back and walk up to him another five yards to clear what I think clear those limbs to be able to shoot him again. Are you still with me? Yep. Yep. Okay. Okay. So I do that, come to full draw I walk up the five yards I settle in, and at this point, my I, I am not shaking. I'm not worked up. I, I gave myself plenty of time to get that all out of my system. I, I'm telling myself, Kyle, you need to make this shot. Like, everything rides on this shot. Like, center that shot and kill him right here. Be done. And I didn't want to see him suffer, you know. So I settle in. I pull the trigger. And right off the bat, I noticed something went seriously wrong. The arrow flight was horrible. I don't know if it was my arrow or if I think what happened, I hit a tree limb and um, the arrow went right underneath him in his bed. So, but initially my first thought was, well, you misranged it. You, you didn't shoot high enough. Like maybe it is 45, not 40, even though you just close five yards. So as quick as humanly possible, I have, I knock another arrow, come to full draw, settle in and compensate, and then just a touch higher and I shoot. 
and I hit exactly where I aimed, but that was a little bit too high, but he was quartering away and I was above him and it went in him and he stood up and let out a giant growl or a grunt, deflated grunt, whatever you want to call it. And he went about 60 yards up on a ridge. And as he was standing there and I was watching him in my binoculars, his tail started doing that horizontal flicker. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. Right before they die, that yep. flicker really fast. So I was getting excited and my idiot, but decided to take one step to my left to get a better vantage point to see his whole body and not just his butt. And when I did that, there was one tree between me and him that came into view in my binoculars and I lost him. So I put my binoculars down and look and see him again. It took my step back to where I was through my binos and I didn't see him. He's gone. And I'm, I'm confident there's no way that he could have ran off or walked off without me seeing him, yeah. but not knowing just killed me. Yeah. Like I was like, what now? What yeah. now? So when, so, when you shot him at him the second time, did he, and you missed him and you shot low, did, was he standing at that point or did that nope. get him on his feet? No, it did not get him on his feet. He just picked his head straight up on full alert and was still looking straight away, basically from me. Yeah, which tells and, I mean, you he's the matter of me getting that. Yeah, that's the the amount of time between the second arrow flight and the third arrow flight was probably less than thirty seconds. Okay, but right. like, I mean, I I knew immediately what that arrow did when it took off. Like, I think before the arrow even landed. I knew what it was going to do and was already starting to get that next arrow. Yeah. So he walks off, you lose him. Now what? So Ron Slifer is a good friend of mine and, uh, I've been on good, a lot of tracks with him on other people's deer and he's got one of the best dogs I've ever seen on blood trails or trails whatsoever. And I thought just to be safe, then sorry, I'm going to call him, see what he's doing and see if he can come up for the track. And he said he would. And Jake and uh, my other buddy, Chris came from Springfield and they were going to come video the track. And my wife was going to go with me on the track. And, uh, we, I think we ended up giving him probably five to six hours from when I first shot him. And, um, they got here and everybody had mixed mixed reviews. You know, Ron said he's seen crazy crap happen where deer lives with shots like that, he thought. And the other guys, all all the team radical guys on our private group said hundred percent dead deer. Hundred percent dead deer. I hate to say how many pictures of anatomy deer bodies with the arrow where it hit was posted on that thread because <laughs> everybody's trying to, you know, what did what did you get? What did you get? You know? And uh so, so anyway, um, and they didn't have a picture, obviously, of the second shot that hit him because I didn't video that. You know, I I, met, I made that happen really fast. And being by myself, I wasn't going to mess around with that. Um, so anyways, we start the track. We go to where he was bedded when I shot him the second time. And he actually had two beds that were within 10 feet of each other. So that makes sense why I didn't see him, and then I did see him when yeah. I was talking about earlier. Yep. He moved 10 feet, and that's all it took for me to see him again. And 
from there we 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 picked up the trail and and dio the dog you know took us right down the ridge and we were coming up on top of the ridge and i started getting nervous because we were about to the point where i last saw him and i didn't see him like i should be able to see him if he's laying here and dio was following the trail and we're going and i happened to look over my right shoulder and uno was laying right behind this brush pile like 10 15 yards dead laying right there and uh so what he did is he just did a real little bitty bitty j hook so the dog actually was perfectly on his trail but i just done saw the deer before the dog could complete the track yeah but um and then that's when i went down to my knees and uh yeah dude like an overwhelming sense of emotion i lost my shit like tears grown ass man crying yeah like all that like yeah, man. just so much went into not only just chasing that deer so much happened in between all the years of chasing that deer for that moment you know wanting that moment and yeah. um just incredible i mean yeah. absolutely incredible so it's like the culmination of six years right for one yep. one animal and you have this emotions Right. And then we come to the time where it's time to walk over to him. And as you grab, you know, this is the first thing that we do. We grab their, grab their antlers and lift their head up. What's going through your mind at that moment? Uh, Thankful, humble, uh, grateful. I mean, just beyond measure thanking God a million times. My wife, who that was actually the first thing I grabbed was her hand because I wanted her to be right next to me when we found him, you know. Um, I I can't explain it. I, I really had no words. I had no words when I grabbed him. I mean, just, and also in that, a sense of remorse too because, you know, we played this game for how long and, I finally caught up and checkmate and, uh, you know, he gave me a, he gave me a run for everything that I thought I knew and so forth. So, and, and knowing that, you know, he's no longer going to be chased and, um, he's no longer going to be on my trail cameras. Uh, he's no more going to cause me to lose sleep. (laughs) Just all of those things all at one time, you know, went in my head. Yeah. What did this deer teach you? as a bow hunter um taught me a lot about priorities and and uh keeping your priorities straight um it taught me not a lot about deer hunting honestly just with with kids now it it opened my eyes in a whole new way and that how important it is to have a supportive family at, at the home front because as bad as the situations I that I endured throughout the chase of chasing Uno, um, I know other people have it way worse and know that uh, not everybody's home front is probably as good as mine and that I'm just extremely thankful and blessed to have a family like I do. Yeah. Um, because otherwise there is no story. There is no way that happens. I mean – just a rock star wife that, you know, what she went through, you know, alone with that pregnancy and then having to, 
Nutri as a baby and, and being up there at the hospital, staying all night in the guest house, like that, that to me, they're, they're the people, they, she earned it as much as I did. Put right. it that way. There's right. no doubt about it. Yeah. Well, I tell so, you what, man, that's, uh, that is one hell of an amazing story, uh, for, you know, it's not just like a six year story of a deer, but it's the sixth year story of your family's life with a deer in it. You know what I mean? And, uh, uh, that it's absolutely amazing. Congrats on, uh, finally closing the deal. And, uh, if you're anything like me, I think I know you are, uh, 2020 is uh, just around the corner and it's time to start making plans for that too, man. Well, it's crazy. You say that cause, uh, pretty cool little story. I always like trying new things and new challenges. Well, um, actually just bought my first piece of ground of my own uh just this week awesome 68 60 acres about 10 minutes from the house and uh i'm looking to fully set it up but the plans in the future is not for me really to be chasing the deer i'm looking forward to getting my wife back on a on a buck and and my grandpa and my dad and them and just enjoying the season with them i don't care if i shoot a buck in 2020 at all or not i mean yeah um I enjoy taking them and my wife's been out of the game now for a couple of years with the babies and everything. So she's definitely up the bat. She definitely loves that. She definitely loves to bow hunt. So, um, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Well, congratulations and good luck in the future, man. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. And thanks for having me on, man. And if you've toughed it out this entire time, thank you very much for, uh, giving me two hours of your life man i really appreciate that i know this was a longer than average podcast if you are still listening please go check kyle out on his team radical page uh, on social and out on youtube to, uh, as well you can see this buck on the hoof uh, in the video that he launched and that he talks about other than that huge shout out to all the partners of this podcast we have vortex lone wolf ripcord wasp ozonics and prime Please go out and support the companies that support this podcast because when you do, and this sounds selfish, you're supporting me and I can continue to bring these stories to you and this content to you and for free. You know what I mean? So uh, go do that and uh, man, thank you. I just have to say thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Kyle for coming on and uh, you know what? I'm going to keep it short. Have a good rest of your week. Be kind to one another. And uh, man, if you're going to be in a tree, wear your damn safety harness. Have a good week.